Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Everybody, welcome in to another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. I am Mike Cadlick, and I am joined by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. And uh, what we were supposed to do today, Alex, was uh, set the table for tomorrow's OTA practice on Thursday. Uh, tomorrow was supposed to be the first Patriots practice open to the media. Uh, instead, the Patriots canceled, and uh, here we are basically waiting, and they are now going to open up practice to us uh, next Wednesday. So uh, what we're going to do instead is talk about the cancellation of practice. Um, we will set the table a little bit about what to uh, what to expect and what to look out for in general over these next couple weeks with the Patriots OTAs beginning. Uh, officially this week, obviously, not open to the media just yet, but we'll set the table for all that, talk about some storylines, we'll uh, react to them actually canceling, and then we'll do some Q&A. But before we do, I just want to say that this show is powered by FanDuel Sportsbook, so go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. You will get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go there. That's $1,000 back, up to $1,000 back if your bet loses in bonus bets. So uh, it's pretty much a no-brainer. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston, sign up at that link, and then you get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. All right, Alex. So we were supposed to head down to Gillette Stadium tomorrow. We got an email this afternoon from Patriots PR that uh, we will no longer long, no longer do so. Coach Belichick has canceled today's practice, and they will shift gears. Uh, and we were just talking, and I thought they canceled one practice, but they end up canceling two. So uh, what's the deal? Why are they doing this? And why are they, why are they uh, boxing us out, and why are they canceling practices in one of the most important off seasons in a long time? So I can't tell you exactly why they did it because I don't know. Nobody knows. But uh, I, I will. Ju- we'll put some some dots together here. Um, I want to make sure. Throw on your tinfoil hat here. Yeah, it's not even a tinfoil hat. It's just what it is. So first of all, I've kind of seen this put out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they canceled practice. They didn't yes, cancel yeah. media availability. They did not practice today. That doesn't mean that they weren't in the building. They might have done meetings or something. Like they, It doesn't necessarily mean they gave them an entire day off, but there was no full team practice today after they practiced Monday and Tuesday. Yesterday was a scheduled day off from practice one way or the other, and today was supposed yep. to be the first media availability. So a little background here. The rules – for availability at OTAs. Yes. I'm going to read these here off the uh, the Pro Football Writers of America, the PFWA website. This is kind of the group that is the go-between between the teams and the media. Uh, yep. So they're, in terms of availability for the off-season program, this is what their website says. To enhance publicity during the off-season, clubs must open to the media at least, is underlined, at least one of every three organized team activity days. That's what OTA stands for. The O is not optional. It's organized. Um, In addition, it is recommended that clubs open to the media the first OTA session of the year. That ship has already sailed. Um, The purpose of That's just recommended, you said? Yeah, that's recommended. Recommended that club. So now we're back to the at least part. Okay. The purpose of opening at least one of every three OTA days, and then it says in parentheses, not one-third of the total number of OTAs, but one of every three, close parentheses, is for media to have at least one mandatory access day in each of the four weeks of phase three of a club's off-season workouts. And phase three is OTAs and minicamp. 
Um, and then it goes on to describe what that availability must entail the entire time on the field, talk to coach, yada, yada, yada. The, but the point here is they can't go more than three days without meat availability. So t- tomorrow would have been three days. They had Monday, Tuesday, tomorrow. And then what the original schedule was, so there was going to be availability tomorrow. They're going to be off Friday. They were then going to practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday next week. And we were going to have availability that Friday because Friday. again, that's, yep. that's three days, right? And then uh, the week after that, there's supposed to be four practices, the fifth, the sixth, the eighth, and the ninth. And we were going to have availability the eighth because that is again, every three days. Right. So, and there's a re- just to be clear, there's a reason I'm doing this and it's not, this isn't a, Oh, when we're in the media, we deserve access when it's not where this is going. If you think okay. that's where this is going. So based on the email, the Patriots sent out and these schedules are super flexible. So maybe this changes, but the days prior to this and not including the days that already happened were the 25th, the 30th, the 31st, the second, the fifth, the sixth, the eighth, and the ninth. That's six practices that were supposed yep. to be uh, up ahead. Um, in the email with the revised email we got today, it is now the second, the fifth, so the 31st, second, fifth, eighth, and ninth. So not only did they cancel today's practice, the practice for May 31st also disappeared because, and then what we'll have access for a change. We're supposed to have access the second and the eighth. We now have it the 31st and the sixth. Mm-hmm. Basically, what they did here is they canceled two practices. It knocked that one and three number down. So uh, now we only have access to two. And then mini camp is the week after, and all three of those will be open. That's not moving. That thing doesn't get right. uh, rescheduled. But now in the past, they've canceled sometimes the last OTA of the year. And right, we, get normally early. Get, yeah. we normally get access what is scheduled to be the last day, and then that gets bagged. That's common. But right. that's the last one, and they still go through all the practices. What it looks like, from the outside going in, and again, we don't know, but what it looks like from the outside going in is they gave up two practice sessions to get away from the media for one. Yep. They gave up each practice session is, I think it's two, two and a half hours. Yes, two hours. They gave up four hours of practice. So they would have one more day away from us, which he loves us. Bill loves us. And this isn't to be a, again, I don't want, because I I hate it when people in the media do this with like access and stuff. And they're like, oh, well, we're in the media. We We need to do blah, blah, blah. Yeah. This isn't even that. It's, I saw what the team looked like last year. Yeah. I don't know that you can afford to give up four hours of practice. Yeah, just so we can't get eyes on them. They give up two days. Yeah. Is, is, are they more focused on giving us the middle finger than making the team better? Right. That's right. Because again, I'm just annoyed they canceled the day that we weren't going to have access anyway, the 31st, right? In order to pull this up. So again, I don't know that that's what they're doing, but when you cancel the day that the media wasn't supposed to be there too, it looks a little weird. And just given yeah. their history, they don't do anything by accident. Right. It looks a little weird. It really does. Yeah. So look, so if we- they canceled today and been like, all right, we're going to let you go, you know, twice next week i'd be like all right so they can't they gave the players a day off they shifted us big deal right and this one looks a little weird 
Yeah, I was going to say we can start some Q&A early here because Josh asks, yeah. can they cancel sessions and then still train, if you get what I mean? And so this is kind of what you said a few minutes ago, Josh, if, you, if you're coming in a little late. I'm sure they were still there and did meetings and workout and training and, you know, running or what have you, but they did not have a formal OTA session. So they very well could have been in the building training, but there was no routes on air or like plays called or things like that. They didn't have 90 guys out on the field right. all at once with the coaches for two hours. They didn't have exactly. That. Right. They didn't have a true football practice. Correct. Um, so that's certainly something. I mean, again, it's, it, you make a good point where it, I mean, who cares if we can't go right. It's OTAs. They're not in pads. It's not like we're going to be reporting on uh, something critical like we do in a practice week, right. When someone's out with an injury or things like that, but right. it's good to get a look. It's good to let, you know, us be a, uh, you know, a way for the fans to see what's going on. And the fact that they don't want that and they don't want it so bad that they cancel two sessions, like you said, that's very alarming. So, and to be clear, that's my theory. I don't, it's yeah, all right. tinfoil hat. Sure. The other thing I'll add, and this is true one way or the other, there's kind of immense pressure on them now on Wednesday on the players. <laughs> yeah. Which, you don't normally have it in OTA. Like, yeah, there's position battles. And I remember the first OTA of Mac versus Cam. That was like a big deal. Mm -hmm. But I think I remember calling that the most important OTA in Patriots history. And people got annoyed at me for saying an OTA was important. <laughs> and it was kind of dumb. But, like, if we go out there Wednesday and they don't look they great. They struggle. Yeah. What's the narrative? What are the questions right. you're going to get? Right. They were, you know, it's going to be, they knew they weren't ready. They didn't want us to see them. They were hiding it. Right. They were trying to cover up the fact that they're not ready, that after this whole offseason, Bill O'Brien and all this talk about the coaching staff and preparedness, they're not ready to go. Well, let's talk about that then. What do you what do you want to see from this team? And we'll start with, you know, a couple narratives and storylines, I guess, with, uh, you know, what, what we're looking for to see in these next couple of days in OTAs because, you know, there's, there's rookies that have came in with high expectations like a Christian Gonzalez. Bill O'Brien's obviously here. Mac Jones is in um, a very, very, very critical third season, and um, he, they brought in some weapons and offensive line, uh, offensive line coach change, offensive linemen come in. So th there's a ton to talk about, but um, I guess we can talk about a couple. What is your main storyline heading into uh, the Patriots offseason training activities? <laughs> yeah, I mean it's obviously watching the quarterback position. How are they going to yeah. break this thing up? And to be clear. The, so you're saying watching the quarterback as how they how they break up their reps and how they break up the reps. And to be clear, okay. it's not Mac Jones gets 15 reps, Bailey Zappi gets 25. Doesn't necessarily mean that oh Bailey Zappi's gonna be the starter. Because right. we did this a couple years ago with Mac and Cam, where if Mac Jones gets 15 reps, but they're all with the presumed starters, right? It's with David Andrews at center, and he's throwing to Juju Smith Schuster and Hunter Henry, and yeah. right. And then Tyquan Thornton is 25 reps, but it's with Jake Andrews at center, and he's throwing a Trey Nixon. Well, no, then Mac's still the starter. They're just getting right. Bailey Zappi more work, which isn't nothing. But I'm not going to walk away from that and say it's a full-blown quarterback competition. I'm going to say Mac's still the starter, but they're getting the backup prepared. Right. So that's the, how they play in these practices. I don't want to say it's totally irrelevant, but it kind of is. Mostly running against there. Yeah. Non-pads, all of that. I am interested to see how they break up those reps. That's what the big question is to me. And I just want to double back here real quick before we get yours. 
Yeah. Uh, somebody asked if they going back to my last point, if they look bad on Wednesday, we're going to jump all over them. If they look bad, what does that mean? Doesn't that mean the defense looks good? Um, what does bad constitute was the question. They can look, we know what, so some people look, if even if the defense plays well, some people are going to say the offense was bad period. I would like to think there are some of us on the beat, myself included, that will look at it and know the difference between the offense being bad and the defense being good. Like last year, there were times where, okay, the defense did look good. And I said it at those times, but there were also times where just didn't really matter what the defense was doing. The offense wasn't on the same page. I'm saying if we go out there and they can't get lined up and they can't get the ball snapped and guys are running the wrong routes and the communication looks off. Yep. That's which it did look like at times last summer. Yes. It, it, you know, if we have and it, it, things again, where it's like David Andrews pulling the entire offense aside and laying into them after practice, that's the kind of thing that we're going to look at and say, well, yeah, they weren't ready. So well, that's practice. That's, that's my number one storyline is the fluidity yeah. of the offense with Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones, because uh, last year it was a disaster in training camp. And again, OTAs looked a little bit better because, you know, again, there was no pads. It was more so a little bit routes on air. I mean, there was some seven on seven and teamwork, but um, if, at least for the OTAs I was at, which wasn't all of them, there were, there were times where Mac shined and, you know, other guys looked pretty good, uh, but it was definitely, there were definitely ebbs and flows. And then it got into training camp and it just continued to get worse and worse and worse. And, you know, two weeks in, they changed the scheme and we're questioning what this team's doing, right? So that's what I'm looking for, more so than the quarterback competition because, again, I, I know last year was awful, right? But I still have a hard time thinking that they're going to go into OTAs and give us the quarterback competition on day one and split up their reps between Mac and Zappi. Again, we'll see what happens, and it's it's something that we're going to obviously take a look at, but I'm more so interested to see, like, like I said, the fluidity of the offense, how it's called with Bill O'Brien, um, you know, the types of plays they run, how much different it really looks, if there is communication errors, um, and the command Mac Jones has already, uh, given the fact that he's now been able to sort of work with O'Brien um, definitely for the last few weeks, but, you know, close lip, work together, and figure out the offense for the last couple months. So um, it'll be interesting to see just uh, exactly how that goes. So that's number one. But any, uh, any more sort of – what are you looking at on the defense? Maybe uh, – more niche within the offense. What, what else do you want to keep your eye on over the next couple of weeks? Uh, so I, I have a full article up on this right, right. now, 985 sportsubcom It's also happens to be my pin tweet. Uh, my biggest thing on the defense I think would be, so I don't think Marte Mapu is going to be on the field. He had that off season shoulder yeah. surgery and it just kind of sounded the way he was talking, the way they talked about him after the draft that he might not be on the field till, till camp. What are they doing at deep safety? Is it one guy? Is it multiple yeah. guys? Is it still single high? Is it double high? Is it Kyle Duggar back there? Is it Jalen Mills back there? Is it Jonathan Jones? Is it Miles Bryant? In reality, we're probably going to see a little bit of everything I just said over the course yeah. of a 17 game season. They're not going to one for one swap in and out Devin McCourty. But right. what is like the main, what is the go to when they're in third and 10 with the game on the line defensively, right? You call it, you know, or fourth and 10. The minute left, they got to get the stop. What does it look like on the back end? I'm right. very interested to see how they're going to draw that up. Because I, I honestly, I don't know what the right answer is. Like, if you were to ask me, hey, what should they do? Right. 
I would say by rotation, and I think you do it based on matchups. So yeah, I and I like that right because answer, there are so many guys in the back end that can do so many different things. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that they you know they sit there and switch things up because again, they, some of those guys can do so much. So uh, yeah, that'll be interesting. The other, I mean, this one's so obvious. I, I like it and I don't, just to, to, okay. to your point. Like you said, I think there's a lot to like in that. I, I don't disagree with anything you said, but at the same okay. time, that's such an important communication role, for, role True. for the defense, right? And just being the guy that gets everybody else on the same page. Yeah, that's fair. I hesitate. Like, that role becoming rotational, and even if it's not the green dot, still makes me feel a little weird. Now, Maybe those responsibilities fall to somebody else, but it's like Jonathan Jones would be a logical guy because he's the longest tenure defensive right. back and all that. But if he's on the boundary, what happens when he needs to communicate all the way to the other side of the field? Mm-hmm. Or he can't, you know, Devin could kind of walk up and get back. You're on boundary corner. You start walking yeah, over. You, they're going to quit. You can't move to the middle of the field. Yeah, right? right. So maybe, and then, you know, it's he yells to this guy and yells to this guy and then it comes a game of telephone. So, right, right. That almost more than it, it's more about before the ball is snapped that I'm interested to see what it looks like than after. Cause like you said, you mix it up on the back end and Devin even talked about this after he retired, he was asked right. about it. Everybody always knew where Devin McCourty was going to be. There wasn't a lot of disguise in it. Now they have these opportunities to do a lot more disguise at the third level, but that also includes communication. Who's it going to be again? Jonathan Jones would be a candidate, but if the plan is to play him on the boundary, that gets tough logistically. Now, if he's going to be in the slot and we're going to get Jack Jones and Christian Gonzalez on the boundary, maybe that becomes a little easier. Maybe the role falls to Kyle Duggar because he's kind of in a position in the field where he can do it. Maybe not as experienced as Jonathan Jones, but he is entering his fourth year. I mean, he's been here, right? Hardly new. So he could be a guy that takes it over Adrian Phillips in the same vein. It's all going to be really interesting. Cause again, I don't know that there's a right answer. I'm not saying that there's no way they can solve it. I'm not saying every answer is bad, but you could argue for Duggar. You could argue for Jonathan Jones. You could argue for Adrian Phillips. You could argue for a bunch of these guys. And I think, you know, there's a right answer or there's a, there's a right argument to be made for any of them. So we just kind of got to see what they do with it. Yeah. Um, My, I guess it's, it's the obvious one on defense, but I'm super excited to see how soon they throw Christian Gonzalez right into the fire as their number one quarterback. And is he out there immediately with the ones on the boundary and let's ride this kid and um, just how he plays. Because again, we saw that one, I forgot if we talked about it on the show or if it was just all over, all over social media, but that one six second clip that the Patriots uh, tweeted of Christian Gonzalez, you know, fluid, his fluid hips and the way he, you know, it was, it was one, uh, it was one rep of like a, positional drill it wasn't even anything in coverage but naturally it's the one piece of video we get from you know the entire Patriots uh OTA session so everyone goes nuts rightfully so um but I'm excited to just see him on on field in uh in game action or as close to game action as you can really get um because it's massive if he can be the their number one cornerback in week one that's massive for their defense and it allows them it's huge and it allows them to have even more flexibility like you said, across the entire back end, if you can, you know, plug him in week one instead of having to, you know, sit him down, rotate other guys in, make Jack Jones more, uh, I guess, available and keep John Jones outside instead of move him to safety. There, there's a uh, there's a very big ripple effect should Christian Gonzalez not be able to, you know, play right away. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so if you guys want to, uh, we'll, we'll keep talking OTAs, but if you guys want to fire in some more questions, we can get to um, as many of those as you want as well. Um, but I guess uh, I want to throw a question up here too, because it's also a, uh, that I just saw. Uh, here we go. It's a question up here and it has to do with OTA sort of projections for a third down back um, because I guess we can also talk Jersey numbers, Alex, because yeah. they brought out, their, they took out their, uh, their veteran Jersey numbers. They made those public today. James Robinson will wear number three. Um, that's sort of how I thought of this as well, because uh, Ty Montgomery, there was a, uh, I forgot if it was an article or if it was a, it had something to do with Ivan fears and Ivan fears basically said Ty Montgomery uh, was it him that said he's ready to roll and watch out for Ty Montgomery? Why would white? That, maybe now that doesn't make sense to me, as I say, because Ivan Fears never coached Ty Montgomery. I think it was James White. Hang on, but James White never played with Ty Montgomery. That's what I'm saying. There was something with Ty Montgomery. No, it was Ivan Fears? I just found the quote. It was, it was Ivan okay. Yeah. What did he say? I mean, Ivan Fears is still around. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, he said, uh, "Great chance to be a third down back." Yeah. Okay. Um, so that sort of got got uh, a storyline turning about just where they're going to go with third down bat because uh, James Robinson is obviously a guy who has had success as a running back in the past in the league, undrafted to the Jaguars and put up a ton of numbers before getting hurt several times. Ty Montgomery's here. He's older. And then you have Pierre Strong. So uh, what's your – I think we've done this on the show before, but, you know, as it stands right now, is this something you're looking at at OTAs to see, you know, how they – divvy up the reps at running back and ultimately what is your projection for their third down back? Yeah, certainly. I, I think it, it, there's a lot of smoke around Montgomery getting that role. I think yeah. it's interesting because I, I do think that they're going to have Ramondre do both again. I don't know that his role is mm -hmm. as expansive as it was last year, but I do think it's going to be expansive, but I've said, I like Pierre strong and I think he can handle that role, but it certainly seems like they might like Ty Montgomery and they do tend to defer to veterans. So yeah. it will be interesting to see how they break that up. If it's like Montgomery and strong, both getting reps with the first team, then it's like, all right, at least they're still open to the idea of Pierre strong. If Pierre strong's out there with like Malik Cunningham and Trace McSorley, I'm going to say it's a lock for Ty Montgomery at that point. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, you think there's a chance Pierre strong just straight up gets cut? No, he's a fourth round pick. They'll yeah, hold on for at least too. one more year. That would be way too early. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's get into it. Do you have a quick record prediction? Uh, how do you guys think the Patriots defend the Cowboys' offense when they play them? My record prediction right now is uh, eleven and six. That's what I have. That is uh, uh, bold. I'm somewhere between eight, nine, nine, and eight. I think they're about a five hundred team with the schedule they have. Okay. How will they defend the Cowboys? I think it's going to kind of look like it was last year. It's going to be or. Er, 2021 yeah yeah that bend don't break defense where they'll make Dak pick them apart underneath they'll let Tony Pollard run the ball and try to shut him down in the red zone that's yeah. generally how they defend those kinds of offenses so maybe it's different now with Christian Gonzalez you have that true number one corner if he is the true number one corner but I would think that they're gonna go with the same strategy they've gone with in that spot in the past yeah we'll continue uh, we, on yeah we can go to this one here yeah thoughts on the new kickoff rule I'm not a fan. I'm yeah, not. And I let me preface this by saying I understand kickoffs are one of the most dangerous plays in football. I understand there's a need to cut down on concussions. A significant number of concussions happen on those plays. A disproportionate number of concussions happen on those plays. And they do need to be safer. Yeah. That being said, I don't think the college rule. I shouldn't say I don't think the college rule fixes it. The college rule certainly makes the play safer. Cuts down on injuries. Right. 
but also just takes a whole play out of the game. I mean, you never see kickoffs return in college ever. No, they never do it. I, and some people suggested that maybe they'll do this. Like this is a trial. So this is a trial year, the way this rules written. And by the way, it's the same thing about the Thursday night football rule. This is 2023 only. And they have the option to extend it after this year, if they like it. Now, some people suggested they don't want to be seen as adopting the XFL's rule and you kind of read between the lines. Maybe they think the XFL won't be around at this time next year, so they right. can just take the rule and it won't be called the XFL rule, even though I will be screaming that through a megaphone. <laughs> they've ta- and by the way, they've taken things from other leagues before. Uh, the mic'd up, players mic'd up, that's original XFL. The yep. flywire camera, the, the spider camera, whatever you want to call it, that one that's on the wires and flies around oh. the field. That's the original XFL. The one that uh, Max Pass hit last year. In exactly. The, uh, game. <laughs> uh, two point conversions came from both uh, the, the Canadian Football League and the original USFL. Both adopted those before the NFL did the two point conversion. There's a bunch of other ones that went through them earlier. I, I can't remember any of them off the top of my head. But the XF. So for those who don't know the kickoff rule, the rule now is on a kickoff, the returner can call fair catch. Anywhere inside the 25-yard line, and the ball will be placed at the 25. So in the past, you call a fair catch in the end zone. It's a touchback. Ball goes out there. But let's say, so what teams would do is they'd kick the ball to like the five mm-hmm. and dare you to return it. Right. It, like make you return it, and you had to get to the 25, you lost yards. Now, if they kick it, you know, inside the five, even if you're not in the end zone, or even if you're at the 20 and you just don't want to return it, you can call fair catch, and the ball will be moved up to the 25-yard line. By the way, you could call fair catch on a kickoff in the past. The rule was like a punt, though. So if you called fair catch at the five, you'd get the ball at the five. Yeah, right. There was right. never any reason to do it. You'd see it every once in a while. It was a super rare thing. Basically, it was used for like if there were five seconds left on the clock and you'd rather run an offensive play and you needed a right. touchdown. You'd rather run an offensive play than try to return a kick. You'd call fair catch because then no time would come off the clock. That's pretty much the only time that that mechanic was ever used now. And you see it in college. You're going to see it all the time. Kickoff returns. The first year college implemented it dropped by about 15%. The NFL kickoff rate is already under 50%. Kickoff return rate was at 40. It was 42 or 48 last year. One's the college number one's the NFL number, but so that pushes it down to like the thirties. Right. So that's the rule. Now what the XFL rule is, and it's a little complicated. So hang with me here. And if you can pull up a clip of it on your phone or whatever to follow along, that might help. So the kickers, the kickers actually the 30. They don't kick off from the 35. They kick off from the 30 like the NFL used to. The kickers at the 30, the returner can stand back anywhere inside the 20. So that looks normal. Yep. But the middle of the field is where it changes. Instead of everybody lining up with the kicker, right back at the 30, 35 yard line, whatever it is, they are actually at the other 30. So they are on like towards where the kicker's kicking the ball. They're at the 30. Do you want me to pull it up? Do you want me to share my screen yeah, if you have it, it, if you have it. Yeah. Because I think I'm getting these yard yardages wrong. But basically, they're all the way down on the other end. And they're 10 yards away. Here it is. Yeah, let's see. Okay, so play this. So you see the kicker's alone back here. Pause it. Perfect. So you see this here. The... Coverage team, I don't think I can mark it off, so I'm like, if you can use your mouse. The coverage team's at the 35-yard line in gray, 
And all the blockers. You see my were, mouse, right? Yeah. Cool. And all the blockers to the return team were at the 30. They're five yards apart. And then you see the returners back there. How the rule works is the kick. So, and you think, well, then just kick it short. It's an easy onside kick. If the ball does not go past the 20 yard line, the receiving team gets it at the 45. So it's like okay. kicking the ball. It's like in the NFL now, right? You kick it off out of bounds, it goes up to the 40. The ball has to get to the 20 in play and it can't go out of bounds at all unless it goes into the end zone. It's still, if you kick it into the end zone, it's a touchback. Yep. But otherwise, it this is the setup. And the, the other wrinkle is the coverage team and the blockers cannot move until the ball is caught or it's right. been on the ground for three seconds, but we call it the ball's caught. So if you've so watched this play out that. here, so you still get a true kickoff, but you don't get that massive head-on collision with a 30-yard head start like Sealed we used in, to see. Then so go. then it's field and boom, everybody goes. And you can still get creative with it. People say taking out kickoffs, you lose a lot of strategy. You see right there, there's some good strategy in that. And he houses this. I think there's one more on this clip if you want to show, if you want to fast forward, Mike. We can watch the other one too because I freaking love this rule. I actually think it's really cool. No, this is the only one. Okay. But um, you get the one. idea. Is this the other one? Uh, yeah, I think this is a different one. So you see it again where you have those two groups lined up. So they have it here. You have to kick it in that box or into the end zone or the ball goes all the way up to the 45. Uh, somebody asked in the chat, how do squib kicks work? There's no squib kicks. They, they just don't exist. Um, I'll explain on sides in a second. And then boom. You're gone. You're like that's that's the play, and you can right. still design it and all of that. So I love it. Um, squib kicks don't exist. They use that gimmicky onside rule where it's like fourth and twenty-five. What I would say is just if you're going to onside kick, you basically get rid of the surprise onside kick. If you're going to onside kick, you declare it and you run the play. Mm -hmm. And and in that situation everybody lines up back where the ball is like yeah. you would elsewhere, but you have, and there's a penalty where if you, if the ball goes too far, it becomes that illegal procedure thing. Like if it doesn't go far enough, but right. that's enough XML talk. People probably yeah. want to know how this impacts Patriots. And I've seen people say, well, they spent all these, this money on coverage players. And now this happens. Look, you still got to cover punts. I think they're still going to want to return kicks. They're still probably going to return kicks. I don't know how much they're going to yeah. do this. Because if you're the Patriots, you look at it, well, teams aren't going to be prepared to cover kickoff returns anymore because they're never going to have to do it. And I'm not saying that's the right approach, but I think that's how the Patriots are going to look at it. Right. They're still going to return kicks. He's still got to cover punts. He's still got to return punts. Onside kicks will still be a thing. You need guys for that. Um, I don't necessarily think it makes a huge difference in terms of signing all these guys. Now, the Patriots did have the third lowest touchback rate last year. It was 36%. They're one of only three teams under 44%. They're so likely going to have a new kickoff guy this year now, though. Well, now there's less. You know, last year, they kept kicking the ball to the five, and it was a major problem because right. they couldn't kick it out again. So that doesn't necessarily matter because even if it's returnable, I think there are going to be teams that look at this and say, we don't want to risk the injury. Mm -hmm. We don't want to risk the turnover. We're going to fair catch it every single time. Yeah. regardless of the setup and what look we get, we're just going to fair catch the ball. There are going to be teams that have a hundred percent touchback rates as return yep. teams this year. I truly believe that. Or yeah. they'll be like 90 something. Cause they'll be onside kicks or whatever. Squib kicks. Yeah. That's the other thing. Patriots might start squib kicking a bunch. Yeah. They might start kicking the ball to like the 20 
straight up in the air and same yeah. amount of hang time, kicking to the 20 and say, are you going to fair catch over five yards? Are you going to try this? So right. there's a little it, bit of strategy that can be involved, but it, it is kind of bizarre. The idea that they do this, this late into the off season yeah. after you make your, your off season acquisitions after you, after the draft, because again, like you said, it doesn't really matter about your kickoff specialist and they drafted both a punter and a kicker. Like, they very well could have approached this offseason a little bit differently if they well, made the rule changes. They still needed a punter. But they, they might still need have a punter and a kicker. I mean, honestly, the only Matthew Slater was coming back one way or the other. I don't think right. that this was the difference in Matthew Slater coming back. That's true. The only guy who maybe you look at it and say, ah, I wonder if he comes back or if he gets signed is Chris Board. And Chris right. Board accounts for seven tenths of a percent of the salary cap. No, that's that's a fair point. So, I don't know. I can't get too worked up about it. I can't worry about it that much. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so I don't know uh, if there's a question about it, Alex, about the third QB rule. So, I want to get to that in a second. One more okay. on the kickoff thing. I do want to talk about yeah, that. Go for it. Uh, somebody said, do faster gunners play a bigger role now? If you can get in his face, you can force a muff. So, that's part of it. I think you also might see this thing. Like, here's the thing. Are, are guys going to we, – we don't know. Are guys going to fair catch late like they do on punts, hoping to catch the covered team sleeping? Yeah. Or most of the time in college, you see guys call it right away because they're less experienced returners and coaches don't want to deal with the risk. Yeah. The NFL, you're more experienced. You can keep going through that. So, like, which way is that going to go? If it's that thing where some guys are doing it late, to try to sleep, right? To try to catch the coverage team sleeping. You could see, you could start seeing that play that we saw become more popular in the NFL last year. And has been popular in college for two or three years here where you take the guy that's blocking you and you push him into the returner. That could become a thing. Right. Uh, sorry. One second. Uh, were you looking at the same thing that I was from the chat? Yeah from yeah i don't know where that's coming from it's not true okay that's what i was checking on though yeah get get out of here with that yeah um so sorry were you continuing on the uh so that's pretty much so so that that's the one interesting thing i'll see i don't know if it's like a faster gunner getting in his face that works at the college level i Mm -hmm. and that's why guys call fair catch early i think in the nfl these guys have field enough kickoffs they know but if a team's doing it late can you replicate so in the fair catch rules are going to be the same. Like you can't hit the guy and all that, but if you take the guy that's blocking you and you push him into the returner on punts, that's a clean play. I would imagine. Right. And there's going to be some details to these rules that have to kind of be ironed out. You take the guy that's blocking, you push him into the returner, you force a month muff. Think about it. When you do it on a punt, you can get great field position, but sometimes that might even be near the 50 on a kickoff. You're basically going to be in the red zone right away. So that'll be interesting to see. Right. Um, let's go to this. Uh, will the third QB rule make them consider adding someone else, someone who makes more sense for it rather than McSorley or Cunningham? So new QB rule for emergency quarterbacks. Um, and tell me if I have this wrong, Alex, but basically it states that if someone – you can add a 54th active player or a – how many active players are on there on a regular basis? 53 minus 7. Uh, right, forty six. It's forty six, but you can 
if you dress eight, there's something like if you dress eight offensive linemen, the ninth doesn't count or something. Oh, interesting. Okay. But regardless, so you'll have 53 players. We'll call it 46. 53 players on your roster, 46 active on game day. Yeah. You can designate a 47th active player for game day. That's a quarterback. So, okay. The player technically active. Okay, they're not active. They are it's designated the, as an designated emergency, the emergency quarterback. quarterback. Right. And they can only play if the first and second string are out with injury. Or if they get, like, ejected or whatever. If they can't return yeah. to the game. Okay, correct. So that's the rule. I saw um, your uh, loophole, and I loved it. Okay, so yeah. So I'll basically, let you explain it. Yeah, right. I don't so, want to steal it from you. But I you have it. your two quarterbacks. The third guy can only come in in case of injury or, or ejection or whatever it is that the quarterbacks move from the game. And you can, st- so here's where, it di- so some people, older fans remember, there was a rule like this in the nineties. Okay, there yeah. was a third quarterback rule and they got rid of it. They basically just gave teams that they, they increased the active roster, the game day roster by one spot. Yeah. What that rule was, was once you put the emergency quarterback in, your starting quarterback was ruled out for the rest of the game. Period. So you could put the emergency in and then still go back and forth between him and the backup as you want it. That yep. that's gone. Now the first two have to come out due to injury or whatever. Then the third one can come in. However, the, the new wrinkle is so okay. Let's um so Mac Jones gets hurt. Yep. Bailey Zappi gets hurt. They both go back to the locker room. Malik Cunningham comes in as the emergency third quarterback. But Mac Jones all of a sudden gets cleared, right? He can now go back in the game. But now Malik Cunningham's done. Yeah, correct. So the wrinkle I have, and, and so people are like, oh, how, you know, third quarterback's going to be active. They can do package stuff for Malik Cunningham. Not- Everyone thought at, the, at originally when it was, when it was you know, Put out there on Twitter. Right. Everyone thought that it was it was a forty seventh player that could also just it was play anyway. that it was going to be that lineman rule. The rule right. is like you can only dress forty six, but if you have eight linemen, you get a forty seventh as long as that player's a lineman. And teams basically look at that and it's like, well, why wouldn't you dress the lineman? Right? right? There's no reason not to. This is a little different. Right. That's what we thought it was going to be. This is a little different. So the player has to be on the active roster too. This is a big differential. Yeah. Has to be on the active roster. Cannot be a practice squad elevation. My loophole, and there is some risk in this. It's not a perfect loophole. No. But you can still have Bailey Zappi as your week-to-week backup. Yep. But let's say on game day, and and Malik Cunningham has to earn this, and he has to go into camp, and he has to prove this is going to work. What you could do is name Bailey Zappi the emergency quarterback, even though he's the backup. Have Malik Cunningham be the active second quarterback. Yep. Mac Jones goes out there, does his thing. But when you want to put Malik Cunningham in the game, you can still put him in the game. He's on the roster. Right. Now, the inherent risk in that is if Mac Jones gets hurt, Malik Cunningham's your quarterback. You can't yeah, you go, you can't, him. right? You can't go to the emergency quarterback yet, unlike you could under the old rule. And this is why I think they differentiated it to the old yeah. rule. Because you really didn't do this package stuff back in the 90s. This didn't exist. Right, right, right. Now, some would say, fine, you finish the game with Malik Cunningham, big deal, quarterback got hurt, you're already up against it anyway. Or some people would say, you know, and what is this? A play after Mac Jones got hurt, Malik Cunningham is cramping up, 
And the Patriots are going to have to turn to their emergency backup Bailey Zappi, right? right? Like, and yeah, they'll get investigated for that and they'll get fined for that. But who knows? All the possible teams are going to try to screw with this thing and not just the Patriots, every single which way they can. So if they trust Malik Cunningham enough, that would be the way to do it. Now, all things considered. And then if Max seriously hurt the next week, Bailey Zappi's your quarterback. Right, exactly. He's your backup. He's your long-term backup. I, I, I called it week-to-week backup. Yeah, if Mac Jones can't start a game, you have Bailey Zappi to start it. But within a game, it's risk-reward. You know, if you feel like Mac Jones can get through the game healthy more often than not, then, yeah, you can have Malik Cunningham as your backup on game day right. over Bailey Zappi. If you're worried about, like, if it's a thing where Mac Jones goes in coming off of an ankle injury like last year in Chicago, well, then that becomes a lot harder to do, right? Because now eh, we might need a Ultimately, though, that would be how they do it. I think one way or the other, though, this does increase the chances Malik Cunningham makes the roster because why wouldn't you have the third emergency quarterback, right? It doesn't take up an extra game day spot. And who is going for the 53rd spot on that roster? We've talked about this in the past, Mike, that UDFA streak is so important to them. And I've said they're going to put Johnny Lumpkin on because of his blocking ability. And, and there's still maybe a chance of that, but you probably get Johnny uh, Lumpkin in the practice squad and elevate him for game days when you need him. Right. You can't do that with Malik Cunningham for this specific role. Yep. Put him in that. You give him that UDFA spot, that spot you have earmarked for UDFA, whether he's the emergency quarterback and that's just what it is, or they try to get cute with the rule. One way or the other, this increases the chance of Malik Cunningham making the 53. I don't know how much Definitely. it increases the chances of him playing, Again, it depends how creative they want to get, but it increases the chances of him making the 53. Right. And for the second part of this question, uh, I think it, it would make a lot more sense for it to be Cunningham than Trace McSorley in this instance. I think Trace McSorley at this point is just an offseason arm. I don't really so, think he has a shot at making the team. Somebody asked, would they add like another quarterback that's not on the roster? I don't think so. Oh, someone who makes more sense for it. Yeah. Oh, I, I read it. Uh, sorry, I read that. Frankly, back. If they're going to add a quarterback at this point, I'd like them to add a veteran. I'd like them to add somebody right. in Brian Hoyer's role, somebody who's yeah. been there, done that, and can help this very young quarterback room. I don't think they're going to do it. If they were yeah. going to do it, they would have kept Brian Hoyer. Right. But I that's the guy. Malik Cunningham is an elite, elite athlete. If they want to kind of tinker with this to do a package thing, they're not going to do much better than Malik Cunningham. Right. So I, I don't know that the, the guy this question is – asking about necessarily exists yeah um uh next here i can uh, grab this one what are the patriots gonna do with nick folk cut him sucks but he's he was awesome here here. you talk about a line of like high quality kickers and vinatieri gostowski and now nick folk uh he he was good for a while but you're right i mean he's he's gonna be gone you spend a fourth round pick on a kicker he's nick folk's gone what do you call the new quarterback rule the To a rule or the Purdy rule? I think it's Purdy. the Brock Purdy rule. It's the Brock yeah. Purdy rule. Because that one happened in the playoffs. Right. That's why. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Emerg- did you see Tua? Do you see how thick Tua looks? Yeah, he, he needed that. Yeah. Uh, the emergency quarterback can still practice. He's on the 50-man yes. roster. Yeah, it's just a game. This is just a game day thing. So this will be announced when we get inactives. I'm guessing there'll be a spot on that sheet that includes emergency yep. quarterback so-and-so. Um, so... And that, by the way, that guy, because I've seen people be so confused about this. So that guy's technically inactive unless he gets put in the game. It's not like he has to stand there in sweats and then run back to the locker room and get dressed <laughs> if he gets called in like 
he can be in uniform. He just can't yeah, right. enter the he just game step on the field. unless the circumstances present themselves. But he'll be in uniform on the sideline. Right. Uh, I just had one. Uh, we, we've we talked about this, and I think we've taken this question, but after what we saw from last week's uh, PFF mock, uh, mock season, Tyquan Thornton, they don't have much confidence in Tyquan Thornton this, se- this season. Um, do you, really? Do you think he'll break out this year, or do you think that uh, he's more so entering bust territory? I guess I'll make it my own question. What do you think is more likely? He breaks out or he busts? Man, it's so hard just because how are they going to use them? Yeah. That's what I, that's what I need the answer to. And this sucks. Cause this is, this is what OTAs are all so it's about. A co- doing... It's a cop out answer. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, exactly. Welcome to the show. It's <laughs> yeah. not, this OTAs aren't about who's beating who out for roster spot, but this is where right. we get the thing. Do they think he's an X? Is he going to push Devonte Parker? Do they think he's a Z? Is he going to push Kendrick, push Kendrick Bourne? I think if he's at the Z, there's some upside there. I do. Yeah. I think if he's at the Z, all right. So lesser cop out answer, just a qualifier. He's at the Z. I think he has sure. a chance to break out. I don't love him at the X because even if he no. put weight on, these corners in this league now are so freaking strong. If he put on enough weight for me to be like confident in him as a true X, it's going to slow him down. He loses his best trait. Right. So put him at the Z. Hell yeah. Put him at the X. Yeah. Then I start to kind of worry about it. And here we go again with the Patriots drafted a wide receiver high botched his usage and he said into bus territory that's what that would be i i think i trust maybe i just have way too much trust in bill o'brien bill o'brien heading into this year but i trust him coming in and utilizing the skill sets they have correctly so i would say that it's more likely that he breaks out but they do have a lot of cooks in the kitchen in that wide receiver room too now so it'll be interesting to see how where and how they play all of them Yeah. yeah Yeah, I mean, and again, that's the kind of stuff we're going to get into right. with the two OTA practices we'll be yeah. at over the next two yep. weeks. Um, I just had one. I keep freaking this. Here's this. a good one. With the Patriots drafting Christian Gonzalez, so Marcus Jones gets snaps on offense more. I I don't think Marcus Jones will get snaps on offense. I don't think that has anything to do with Christian Gonzalez. They yeah. play different positions. Marcus Jones purely a slot corner. Christian Gonzalez purely on the boundary. I guess in theory that kicks Jonathan Jones could kick Jonathan Jones back into the slot, but Marcus Jones has been clear. He's a defensive player first. Yeah. The he wants to play kind defense. Signal that, that they view him as a defensive player first. Again, I think this is why they drafted tomorrow Douglas because they want to run that package, but they don't want Marcus Jones having to fully split his time between offense and defense. They want him to focus on improving as a cornerback because they like his ceiling there as they should, by the way, as they should. Right. So, I don't think Marcus Jones get more, gets more snaps on offense this year. I don't think it has anything to do. If there's a draft pick that involves Marcus Jones' offensive snaps, it's Demario Douglas. Honestly, right. I'd say more so than Christian Gonzalez. It's, an, yeah, it's a good I, question. Like, I see where you're coming from, but I think you got to look at it through a slightly different lens. Yeah, I think so. Too. I think he's going to play defense. I think they love him, what he can do on defense. I don't think – like you said, he, he said he's a defensive player. They don't want to make him unhappy. He's too good of a, a football player all around. Um Right. I had to bring this up because I am exhausted and overtired like we were a few months ago during, uh, what's it called? Uh, <laughs> that week, what was it? Uh, combine week. And yeah. we were, t- we were talking about bags of spaghetti and food. And someone asked, is the only way for Taekwondo to put on weight by eating a large Ziploc bag of soft reheated spaghetti? What is this obsession with Ziploc bag spaghetti? What I don't know if this is the same guy. Meat? I don't know. 
but Car- yeah, that's... I know, but like he's not wrong. It's carb loading. Yeah, I mean, that's it. carb loading, and then you go get in the gym and you turn that on the muscle. That's what you got to do. So he, I, yeah, I don't know that it's the only way, but I would say it's a way. That's a correct <laughs> way. Yeah. Um, uh, oh. oh, so that's... I was going to pull this one up actually. Perfect. Uh, has, has Christian, Christian Barmore, Barmore peaked, uh, or do you think he'll take another jump? I think he takes another jump this year. I think last year was. Uh, he was injured a few weeks last year, right? Yeah. And yeah, most he was injured. Oh yeah, oh yeah, he was on IR. Yeah. He was injured for a while. Um, and again, his he had a better rookie year than he did last year. And I think if healthy, he can be one of the better defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen. Like he's he's a dominant, dominant player. Uh, he was in college, and we saw it his first year. So uh, when healthy, I think he's going to take another huge leap. I don't think leap. I don't think he's really peaked at all. I know some people thought early in the season that he wasn't playing well last year. He was. Right. He The stats weren't there, but he was. He was pushing the pocket. He was making disruptive plays. He just wasn't getting credited for the tackles. Right. And then he got hurt, and he came back, and he didn't look right. And I think that knee injury was bothering him well after he returned. Yeah. So you think now he's healthy, right? You'd think with the year off. And I want to see him fully healthy because he looked good at the start of last year before he got hurt. So – I don't know how big of a jump it is, but I think he, he'll ultimately be better than he was last year. I think he'll be, even if he's the player he was at the beginning of last year before he got hurt, they're in great shape. You know, can he take yeah. a jump above that? Yeah, maybe a little bit. But even if he's there, because that was, remember, that was before Josh Uche broke out. So right. if you get that player, they never had him and Uche going at the same time, basically. It was kind of yeah. one than the other. If they can get that player with the guy Josh Uche was at the end of last year, now you got Judon on the left. You got Uche on the right. You got Bormore coming in the middle. Maybe Keon White with some interior pressure too if they want to go four down linemen in some spots. Yep. Now you can't spotlight anybody because you can't one-on-one. I don't know about, I, sh- I shouldn't have brought White into this because we don't know what he's going to be. Right. Can't one-on-one Barmore. Can't one-on-one Uche. You're certainly not going to one-on-one Matthew Judon. No. So now you got to leave backs in or tight ends in to protect or you got to take some of your deeper plays out of your playbook. Cause you got to get the ball out quicker or something like that. And that's what this defense was supposed to be last year. And they just weren't consistent enough with it. Right. If they can get that going, Oh, they're going to be in great shape defensively. Yeah. I, I want to pull up one other one here with all the guards. They added. Do you think, do we think they just let Mike on one go? I don't know if they're talking about this year or when his contracts up, he's going to be their starting right guard this year. He's too good to just cut bait on at this point. I do think it's in the cards that this is his last year and he's not yeah. getting a, a second contract. Like you said, he'll absolutely be here this season. They're not just going to like, you know, release him or try to trade him. I think they'll keep him through his contract, but uh, the fact that they loaded up definitely looks like the, the writing might be on the wall for them because he's probably going to get a bag elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I know you don't really like fantasy football, but I'm going to go there with this one. Is anybody going to be fantasy relevant for the Patriots or should we just stay away? Last year, Jacoby Myers was Kevin's fantasy darling. Uh, Jacoby was pretty good last year. Ramondre was pretty good last season, too, in fantasy. I would say that uh, he will also uh, have a good season this year again. I think I think Ramondre could be dominant in fantasy, and Juju could sneaky be dominant as well if you're in a PPR league because he's going to have a ton of targets and catches. And I know nobody wants to hear it. The Patriots defense should yeah. be one of the better defenses in the league. Uh, we'll actually... Once OTA is a minicamp over, we'll actually, I know we don't usually do fantasy on the show, but we might do some fantasy stuff a little bit over the summer, a little more this cool. year. So somebody keep an eye right. on. Yeah, let's do it. Um, 
All right. Let's finish this off with a couple more. Uh, wow, it's already 52 minutes in. We'll do uh, yeah, I was going to say, we're we doing a Boston Sports Minute? or Yeah, we'll do a Boston Sports Minute. Hang on. So I want to pull this one up because this okay. is this is this will be quick. Is anybody else sad Damian Harris left? I liked him. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Played hard. Was, you know, just a really genuine guy getting to know him through press conferences, talking to the locker room. I think he was an important locker room voice. He's a guy that raised the energy level. We're going to talk about this with the Celtics, right? How... You got to have that guy that keeps everybody else accountable in terms of the energy, right? That keeps everybody else going. And right. you like a guy that people respect, but is also kind of, you know, I got I know I got to go in. I know I got to match him and he's going right. to set the bar high when it comes to the energy and the intensity level. I thought that was valuable with Damian Harris. I also think he's a pretty good running back. I do. It and is. That's a great get for Buffalo because they've really been missing that guy. Yeah. That one bummed me out, both him leaving and him signing in Buffalo. Uh, he's also good friends with Mac Jones, so that sucks. That's a good yeah, point. I, underrated loss for the Patriots. Underrated loss. I, I'm the opposite. I just, again, I, I've talked about it. I don't think running backs are that important. Mike, he got like $1.3 million. Look, if he'd gone somewhere and got yeah, like $6 okay, million, I'd, I'd say it differently. Right. He got less money than James Robinson. Yeah, I think fair. he's a better player than James Robinson. If you're going to pay a running back, pay him. Don't pay James Robinson. Right. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, you know what? Let's just do it because I'm excited. Let's go right into the Boston Sports Minute, Alex. All right. Maybe if we, we see a couple more later. But no, I, I'm excited because the Celtics showed fight. And I want to hear your thoughts on it because they went down 3-0. Everyone was, you know, all down and out. The Celtics are done. Uh, eh, were they, though? Because it kind of seemed like as soon as they lost Game 3, everyone, including myself, started getting the, the Kevin Millar memes ready and you know you knew that once media availability opened in Miami yesterday that guys were going to start saying don't let us win one and don't count the Celtics out and all that but frankly I love it uh they were down nine I believe after at the half six or nine something like that uh then they come out and they have a an unbelievable third quarter Jason Tatum starts to go off he ends up with uh 33 points uh, to finish the game and the Celtics win game four they do not get swept by the Miami Heat in the Eastern Conference Finals. They come back. They win Game 4 in Miami. Now they come back to Boston tomorrow night. You win that one. Then you go back to Game 6. All the pressure in the world's on the Heat in Miami. Game 7, anything can happen. I sound like Kevin Millar, but I mean it. Last night's game, obviously it's a must win, and it's silly when people say, oh, it's a must win because you're going to get swept. But that was a huge, huge, huge win. And I truly, I think there's a real chance they come back in this series. I do because I just think they're the better team and they can win four straight against these guys. Having said that, you got to go one at a time. You can't start thinking about game seven yet. You got to finish the, you got to get, get it done in Boston tomorrow night. But uh, that was an awesome showing. It finally looked like we had the Celtics of this season uh, in front of us last night. So I, I agree with a lot of what you said. It was great to see them win all that. They game five. If you're going to do this thing, Right. Game five is the game because, yeah. oh, you won game four. That's nice with your backs absolutely up against the wall on the verge of being the laughing stock of the league. You're able to put it together and win. Congratulations. Right. Like, can you bring that again? Right. It's, is that the last gasp energy? Is that emptying the tanker? Can you bring it again? Yeah. If you win game five, the pressure is still on the Celtics. The heat, you know, they win this one. It's all right. Who gets a sweep of the, who gets a sweep as an underdog anyway, right? Yeah, we had yep. one slip up. We still won four or five against these guys. If the, this is the real don't let us win tonight. Yeah. Because 
now the pressure's on the Heat. Celtics won two in a row. They have now momentum. You're on streak. Yeah, all of that, right? It wasn't a fluke. They didn't just come out play their best game possible because they had to in Game Four. This is real now. This is the game. Did we just get hot for three games? Why was Kayla Martin and Max Struess and Gabe Vincent going off? It was just, you know, like you you start to get yeah. in your, hood, your own head with that kind of stuff too. I think what – and what really worked for the Celtics, what was super encouraging to me in all of that was it actually started on the defensive end of the floor. And I know there's been a ton of question marks about the Celtics offensively in this series, yeah. and some of them should continue. Marcus Smart got hot last night. Al Horford got hot last night. Jalen Brown's still a black hole on offense. That's yeah, he's got to get going. But He's hurt. He's got to be hurt. I think where it really all started was on the defensive end of the floor because it felt like, especially later on in game two and then pretty much all of game three, their defensive discipline was non-existent. They're over-rotating, they're over-extending, they're over-committing. You had all these guys trying to do way too much. They were playing out of system and you just ended up with players wide open. And they they talked about that. They said, we, we didn't know what they were doing. I thought last night they really played team defense. You watched guys move. You watch guys slide. You watch guys switch off picks or go with motion. And it, they had the right answer every time. And they had it at the right time. The Heat really weren't getting guys free. And then that created turnovers. That created missed shots. And they started running in transition and getting all these layups and dunks. And Tatum even said after the game, once you saw some of those layups come go in, the jump shots follow. Because sometimes you just got to see it go in. Sometimes it is that simple, believe it or not. Right. Well, that's what it so, felt like. Sorry, I'll cut you off real quick. That's what it felt like in game six against Philly when, you know, he was awful in those first three quarters. Right. And then he sees one go in the hoop. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, that's I mean, that's really you're right. That's sometimes all it takes. So that's where I'm like, all right, if they can play that like the offense will come. I, I honestly was never super worried about the offense because they weren't going to keep really Mark Smart and Al Horford were the two that weren't going to stay cold. And I think Jason Tatum has actually gotten a little too much crap for how he's played in this series. I know he hasn't been good in the fourth agree. quarter of the first three games, but I would argue he got them where they needed to be. And it was a lack of supporting cast more than his inability in the fourth quarter that bit them. Not that he's been perfect, but if we're listing the reasons the Celtics fell behind 3-0, I would not put Jason Tatum in my top five. I wouldn't. But if they could, the defense is worried me because they were playing bad defense against the Sixers, against Atlanta. And they were able to overcome it because those teams aren't nearly as good as the Heat. Right. They, You know, they were playing bad defense down the stretch in the regular season. If they can refine their defensive identity, they can they can win four in a row against the Heat. I don't doubt that. But are they going to do that? Or are they going to get complacent, rest on their laurels? Because the Heat won't. Heat are going to come no. out mad. Like, you just gave the Heat your best shot. You're going to get the Heat best shot because they right. know that thing I said before. You can't let this get to six games. That's right. when it gets real. It's not yeah. real yet. We're we're all just being cute and joking with why not us. That right. doesn't become real until it's a 3-2 series. Because when it gets to 3-2, all right, so the Celtics are down 3-2 going on the road. That's where they were last year against Milwaukee. They won the series. That's where they were last year against the Heat, and they won the series. Well, they weren't going on the road, but they were down 3-2. That's where they were last, earlier this year against Philly. Down 3-2 going on the road. They can win in that spot. Can't let them get to that spot if you're the Heat. So this is the game. Yeah. This is the game. This is the one where I really say they could kind of let them win game four. I know Celtics are saying, don't let us win tonight. They could kind of let them win game four because Celtics haven't been good at home. Both Boston teams atrocious in game fives at the Garden this year. That's what I was going to ask you next. Can but they get this, rid of the game five curse t- tomorrow night? Crowds got to show up. Crowds got to show up. But 
this is the real don't let them win tonight game because they win this one, then it becomes real. Then it yeah. doesn't become this cute thing where we're all just bringing up 04 because we like to bring up 04. We're trying to make ourselves feel better. Then it becomes why the hell did you let Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez in the building when you were up 3 0 in a series? What a stupid decision that was. Then it gets real. I Let's think see I what they ha- do tomorrow night. I might have to get off this show right now and go watch Four Days in October because that I already watched it. I watched it yesterday. Did you? That that is an unbelievable, unbelievable, so good, uh, a film. So, uh, so what's your prediction? Celtics are eight point favorites tomorrow night. Do they do it? Heat and six. I Celtics this team just I, I I respect the motor too much. Yeah, fair. that's the problem. I respect. But the they do win tomorrow much. night. You you say. Yeah, so yeah, I think night, they win tomorrow night. And I know I just gave that whole spiel about, ah, if they win game five, then it becomes real, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I Something tells me Heat and six. Celtics and seven, that's my prediction. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on Patriots Beat tonight. Uh, we were going to come back Friday and uh, talk about the OTA that was supposed to be tomorrow. But instead, we'll come back Friday afternoon. We're going to do about noontime on Friday afternoon. Uh We'll talk about some uh, some more Patriot stuff. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll figure something out. We'll do some Q&A. We'll, we'll talk to you all. Uh, we also have a quick show announcement coming Friday afternoon as well. So make sure to turn on your uh, Patriots press pass notifications. Make sure to follow our Twitters. Uh, big show announcement coming on Friday. So stay tuned for all of that. Um, but in the meantime, you can also head to FanDuel.com slash Boston because that is who we are. Uh, powered by here at CLMS Media. So it's on the bottom screen. Go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. You get $1,000 and a no-sweat first bet with when you sign up at that link. Thanks to FanDuel for sponsoring the show. Again, we'll be back Friday afternoon around noontime to do a show and to give a show announcement as well. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Until then, follow Real Alex Barth at Real Alex Barth on Twitter. You can follow myself at Mike Cadlick and read our stuff at our respective sites. So uh, again, thank you guys. It was a late one tonight, so thank you all for tuning in. 